Welcome back to another episode of Soma Soulworks. Where do faith and art meet? What does it mean to be made in God's image, knowing his nature as a creator? This podcast is an open-ended wrestling with God at the seam of Christianity and creativity as artisans working in the world of arts and entertainment. Welcome back to the Soma Soulworks podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking a little bit broader from some of the recent conversations, and we're going to talk about uh, founding principles. And so here's this, here's kind of the setup. Kingdoms all have laws. That's, that's part of what makes a kingdom. And laws are built upon foundational principles and values. So with that in mind, what might be some founding principles for the sphere of art? What are the kinds of things that deep, deep down that we would want to memorialize in the laws and the processes and the values of the kingdom of arts and entertainment from a heavenly perspective. So here's just an example, which is kind of ties into uh, some recent episodes about ownership. And, and I say this as a, what do you think? Creators ought to be the ultimate owners of the fruit of their labor as a, as a statement. Do you agree or disagree? If so, why not? And these are the kinds of things we want to talk about today. What actually matters? What would you build upon? And so to put a, this in a more kind of a earthly example, the, uh, the Declaration of Independence started with the statements that were meant to be exactly this kind of thing. All men are created equal, as an example, right? All men are endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. These are things that were meant to be foundational. The Constitution, everything else could be built upon those. So what could be said in the sphere of arts and entertainment to be foundational? I see you guys have thought about this a lot. Well, I want I want to go back to what you kind of opened with concerning, um, you know, uh, ideally it would be great if all creators of art or anything creative um, were the owners of that. But again, getting back to like commission pieces or requests from somebody that was going to provide you something of monetary value and or you know trade or whatever, um, you're relinquishing that ownership. But should you? I mean, that may be the way it's done now, but that doesn't have to be that way. So there's partial ownership, maybe. It's just called licensing. It's done all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still be the creator and not own it. Like, yep. that's an option as well. I love the idea. You brought this up in a previous episode, but yeah. um, the idea that um, you're going to, because of the previous episode about NFTs, I think you, um, it was brought up that you could have, uh, whenever a piece of art was transacted, or tra- um, transition from one person to another, um, that could that then the original artist got paid mm. percentage. Like, I I don't that's been sticking with me for a while now. And just thinking about that is like that, even if it's a one percent percent, like a penny. Yeah. Um, then it means that whenever someone buys a piece of art that I created, I could still get something from it. But, I mean, but what if I? Aaron, what if I commissioned you to draw a portrait of my son or my daughters or, or something like that? Mm-hmm. But it's going on my wall. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's not for sale. It's not for resale. It's not. I'm not making thousands of clays and numbering them. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> my kids are good looking, but I, I mean, you know, I don't know. Be marketable. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying. What do you do for a one-off? Why not? But what the difference does it make? Uh, yeah, so like, I was so gonna say like that just means that I would only get a penny, say for that one transaction between you and me. Well, that's actually I probably in this case have the upfront thing, but if the, that uh, if uh, if for any transaction, including the one between you and me, or like if it's from you to anyone else, I'm gonna assume that hey, 
maybe when you die, that goes to your kids. Mm. If I'm still around, would I be able to get money off that? Mm. I, that is something to consider is like, hey, this becomes. That sounds nefarious. Um, no, I want to put out a hit, hit on you. <laughs> you make a little bit of like. She's going to kill me. And yeah. She's <laughs> going to make money off of me. I can see how this is going. Oh, You're going to fund your own death. <laughs> You know, and the thing is, like, uh, you can write contracts any way you want. There was right. this thing, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, I was reading about, um, oh, the f- the famous architect who chopped off his family. What was this, like? Uh, who chopped off his family? Chopped him up. Like, he was this crazy, just recently, uh, for Pete's sake, you all know this architect, early, like, in the 20s. In the 20s. Anyways, this guy, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Sorry. So Wait, what? Frank Lloyd Wright. What mm-hmm. happened when you bought a house from Frank Lloyd Wright is you didn't own it. He did. And and so, like, you got to live in it. But, like, legit, a bunch of the contracts he had with house owners is, like, you couldn't change anything. So, like, you couldn't move the furniture. You couldn't. What? And so. Furniture? This, you, like, this was part oh. of how it worked. And so, so for example, there's Whoa. a story about, about this homeowner, quote, homeowner, who gets this vase in the mail from Frank Lloyd Wright who says, hey, I found this in Italy. I thought it looked perfect on the mantelpiece. And they <laughs> included an invoice with it. So, <laughs> and they are obligated by... So you can write any contract you want, just to be clear. Now, it may not be normal, but it just like, <laughs> yeah. it's not like it has to be that way. Yeah. yeah. So this is why I'm like this question of like, what could be different? Boy, profiting wow. off of people's stupidity. Isn't that it's wild? Amazing. Isn't that yeah. wild? Good <laughs> Lord, who would ever invest in something like that? <laughs> Anyways, that's just my opinion, but God, what an idiot. Well, but the thing is, for the people who lived in that house, what they got out of it was that they lived in a Frank Lloyd house. Yeah, it was Frank cloud, right? It was yeah. cloud. And, and for them, it's like that was what it was worth, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating. Like, so oh, you can write the contract. Human beings trade-off. are fascinating. Yeah, that's human being, being we are human beings. Fascinating creatures. I mean, is, creatures. It, is it any different nowadays i mean look at influencers right like on social media it's all clout right like Mm -hmm. i've got whatever a million followers or whatever yeah it's (laughs) we're still doing the same things that we've done for centuries you get revenue from having people follow you yeah now nowadays particularly if you're able to get ads get Mm -hmm. anything i actually if you are I, I mentioned it before that I, I mentioned before that I, I follow TikTok. Talk, I read it. I consume it. I read it. I watch it. Um, they, TikTok has a creator fund now, so mm. they will pay people to make make create um, make stuff, and people can make money and actually start oh, living yeah. off of it if they have a big enough following. Oh yeah, yeah. And let me just kind of throw the Bible in here because that's what we do. <laughs> How does this apply to the to the process of jubilee? So if you remember, in Jubilee, oh, the, the Jubilee yeah. principle was that all the land that was divided by the tribes, you could, during the 50-year period, you could buy and sell it and trade it and everything else. But at every 50 years, it all reverted back to the original owners. Mm-hmm. So none of, like, none of those transactions were permanent. They were all temporary leases. Yeah. And so, honestly, I think that this notion of, of, of permanent ownership has actually got a really strong biblical basis. Mm-hmm. And so, Aaron, if it, what it was was like, let's, here's a different way. Maybe for every piece of art, it just has a, 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 a time limit under which it is owned, exchanged, whatever else. But at some point, it reverts back to you. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, it goes back to you. And then you can sell it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just an idea. But I think that this idea has, has at least the possibility mm-hmm. of having some fantastic... Now, it, utterly disruptive. I cannot tell you how disruptive this kind of thing would be. Yeah. But why not have so some fun with ideas? So it has an LTV... It, 
it's not a lifetime value. It's a limited time value. Limited yeah. time value <laughs> yeah. that you have access to. Every piece of art could be leased. Wow. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like the licensing it. just becomes the normal, yeah. if that becomes the normal transaction, not, hey, I paid you, shut up and take your money. Not <laughs> I mean, that. That is normal right now. I think it's on yeah. PS4. Your games, if you're if you're doing digital downloads, they're yeah. not yours. I suppose it is with Steam. They're just a host. Yeah. If they decide to go down, you'd have no more access to those games you put the money into. Yeah, same yeah. with the App Store. All of it's... All of it is yeah. leasing. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Mm -hmm. Actually, that was a huge controversy for music way mm -hmm. back in the day. I remember Bruce Willis had this massive collection, and he was trying to figure out a way to give it to his family, his kids, whatever, and he can't. The, the legal... I'm not sure what the exact legal side, but basically... Apple said, no, you can't do that. Sorry. What? Like, and it led to this thing. It was like, oh, we're all leasing? Well, that's weird. And it just made this, right? made it very different than owning. So, I don't like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this I is mean, depressing. <laughs> okay, it's, why depressing? <laughs> well, Especially it just, as an it artist. Just, it's just, it just the waves of reality mm. and perspective. Mm. That's starting to roll in. Yeah. You know, that I don't know if anybody's actually just pushed the pause button and allowed their head to really kind of wrap around just what we're discussing here and the monopolization and the dependencies and the licensing and the leasing and different things of that nature. It's like who really owns anything? Yeah. The companies. But even then who owns the companies? I mean, shareholders. Okay. Well, who owns the shareholder? I mean, it just, yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. My it head is into, hurting right now. It gets into all sorts of weird stuff, especially with longevity and long-term thinking. And hmm. Uh, well, this goes to the, so the, the the topic at hand. Just to circle back was like foundational principles. This probably rests partly on a on principle. Hmm. Are artists service providers, hmm. or are they creators? Right. If they're service providers, then paying you for your time is fair. But if that's not really what the transaction is about, if it's if it's that you are creating something real, um, whether it's digital, physical, whatever, but it's real, then I think that that principle would have outgrowths in how we understand ownership, how we understand compensation, how we understand contracting. Mm. And, and, and like you, you're going into pretty deep waters pretty quick, um, but it's wild to start thinking that the things that we assume as, 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 as we think about like the 100-year vision, mm -hmm. they don't have to be the case, yeah. right? They don't have to be true. In fact, our, our, in our last industry prayer, one of the thoughts that came up was we could approach this 100-year vision and by the way, podcasters, like you'll hear more about this, I'm sure, some other time. But we could approach this 100-year vision from a perspective that says, let's look at what exists and what would we change, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what would we want to change? That's one way to do it. But a whole other way to do it is like, who cares what exists? Start over. <laughs> what would you do different? <laughs> like, just start from zero. And I think that's a whole different way to look at it. Yeah. And uh, I know our friend Joel Newton, you know, one of the things he talks about is like this, this desire to see contracts, all kinds of contracts, Make sure that we're not accidentally kind of leaning on the principles of the enemy instead of the principles of heaven, which sometimes we can do without even knowing, yeah. right? We haven't even gotten to other potential principles or foundations of the, the sphere of arts and entertainment. There's so much that could be there. One of the other ones I was thinking about, if we can shift, um, was art for art's sake or just art for beauty like we've talked about that a little bit but if that is something that could be a foundational piece of it you know that influences some of the value and what it's worth and but 
when people are always worried about, I need to make income as an artist. They don't think about that as much. But what if you just created beauty just to create beauty? Because that's what it's for. Yeah. And then, like, when God created everything, creation was beautiful. And he said it was good. And then he, you know, moved on to the next thing. Yeah. It always reminded me of, well, that seems like a good value to have for art and entertainment. Can those values, those three, like the two to three separate values, I think that have been stated, there's, um, can they exist? Mm-hmm. Can they coexist? Like the idea of art existing just for art's sake, but also then being able to be used as a commodity as itself, um, as a way to be able to uh, sustain yourself monetarily. Mm. Um, like that's something that, in all honesty, like when I go to an art show, like in a gallery, um, for those of you guys who don't know, we're t- uh, recording this at a g- art gallery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and if I was to just walk outside these doors, and look at this art. Half the time, one of the things I'm questioning is like, why was this created? What was the, mm. what, not necessarily whether it was the purpose, but what was the intention behind it? Was it just created because? Was it a social mm. message or was it a monetary message? Those are like some of the three different, the three main pieces that I see get art being created for. One is for the artist to be able to work through their own stuff. Um, I've used art as a way to work through my own emotions before. Mm. And it's not for anyone else, it's just for my purpose. And it, sometimes it's really, really beautiful sometimes heartbreakingly beautiful sometimes just like really joyously beautiful but it's like that that is like one way the art can be it be created through um and then there's other ways like then the art that I create for soma for the gay night is a product mm-hmm. that i'm creating i don't have emotional attachment to that in the same way and then there's art because i think this is a beautiful shot i just want like a beautiful sunset like i just want to create a sunset because i can yeah not not even to work through my own shit Sorry. Uh, uh, James can bleep that out if he needs to. No, and leave it it's in. Real. It's real. <laughs> leave it in. I don't think I've ever heard you cuss before. Well done. <laughs> you no. haven't been around me enough then. <laughs> well, you've been in Hawaii, so I mean, <laughs> you know, so whatever. Um, <laughs> so, like, we're just working through that stuff, and then, uh, like, it's just, there's so many ways, like, art can be used for mm-hmm. uh, that when I'm approaching a new piece of art, I'm almost always asking myself, what? what was the initial intention what caused this to be created not just a oh it was created but what caused it and that for me is how i ended up ultimately i end up valuing it that way and i wonder if that's how we should be approaching art is by like it's okay to have different different reasons why art is created absolutely i would say absolutely like it's in fact if you don't if you try to put it all in one bucket it's not going to (laughs) work yeah so yes neil to your point Art for art's sake is in, in my bucket, in my bucket, an absolute must. Like it should definitely be a foundational rule of the art world. It just does. I, for me, at the same time, I don't know if it applies to everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that's the other foundational rule that art doesn't have to be, fit one specific purpose. Yeah, it can fit um, different purposes. It could be caused initially because art for art's sake, but then later find a monetary value because someone needs the extra money and is able and has ideally the proper ownership of it to be able to sell it that way. Well, we were we were discussing um, about about art and it just got me to thinking that, you know, we're we're talking about we're talking about writers, we're talking about artists, mm-hmm. uh, you know, visual, you know, types of of individuals, uh, music, different things of that nature. But yet at the same time, 
you know, I've got friends in my life that are CPAs, that are wealth managers, mm-hmm. that are businessmen and women. And the stuff that I see them do is creative, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is very art, how they build out spreadsheets, how they are able to, you know, um, do their craft. It's, it's not just all binary. You know, <laughs> there's a very creative yeah. side to this. So it's, it's funny. I know that we've been talking about art in like I said, those, those visual terms and, and kind of that silo, but art, like you were saying, Aaron, it's, it's almost, it, it's everything in a sense. It's, it's un, unquantifiable, um, undefinable to some degree because it affects every mountain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, doctors in the, in the medical field, they got to get creative <laughs> with, you know, diagnosing and thinking out of the box or when they're in the middle of surgery, um, you know, innovation, all these different things. That's all creative. When you were sharing about accountants using spreadsheets creatively, I kept thinking of them making a bunch of dots in a row that make up Mario's face or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking back to our CFO, Randy. Yeah, um, and totally. The way he does spreadsheets and just how mm-hmm. he has to, how he has to tie together multiple functions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, across multiple pages mm-hmm. make sure everything works correctly yeah and it's one of the things that's like i don't know how to no don't quite know how to do that but i want to someday mm-hmm. because i think it's fascinating mm-hmm. yeah maybe well, it comes from the fact that i don't create functional art i do but my stuff can't work on its own it needs other things to actually make it functional mm-hmm. in a game it needs it needs programming it needs code to make it work mm-hmm. the way it's intended to yeah so it's always fascinating to me to see something that's working already with an end product of mine. And so I don't know why, but I see the spreadsheets and it's like, oh, that's so cool how this does this, does this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to understand it. The really funny thing is, is I didn't understand it until I talked to a CPA. He's a mentor, a business mentor, friend of mine. Um, and I sat there and I said, this is this, this looks like the most boring job in the world. <laughs> how do you even get up out of bed and go and do what it is that you do? I mean, he owns his own business and mm-hmm. he's got lots of other CPAs and, and whatever. And he says, Mark, you're looking at it all wrong. You're just seeing the numbers. When I look at somebody's finances, I see a story. Mm. I see the story of their life. I see where they made good investments, where they made bad investments, emotionally where they were at this season. Uh, where they were in liberty, where they were in deficit, when they're, you know, and so I'm like, oh my God, that's, I never really thought about that. And he says, and the creative side is I get to work with these numbers. I get to um, give them benefits here by moving things around Mm -hmm. creatively. I get to hide things maybe over here to help them keep more money, you know, or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. I mean, nothing nefarious. I'm just saying, you know, just creativity and art, I think, um, at least for me, I'm, I'm starting to appreciate it outside of just my little world of drawing in music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. novels and narrative and stories and whatever, that it, that it affects so many different mountains and so many different industries and um, vocations. So, mm-hmm. Anyways, well, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. So uh, we will see you all again very soon on the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This is just one offering from Soma Soulworks, a production of Soma Games. To learn more, check out somasoulworks.com. And we'd appreciate your support through patreon.com slash somasoulworks.